You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. So glad to have you back and so glad to be here with you. You know, just a couple weeks back, we talked about controlling noxious weeds, and we wanted to touch on that one more time. There's one method that we did not discuss, and it's a pretty fun method, and that is the use of goats for weed control, particularly noxious weed control, but also for fire, danger suppression, and everything that goes with that. So today, we're going to be interviewing a guest who owns a business called We Rent Goats, who does just exactly that. And we are going to learn more about the use of goats for weed control on your own properties, or if you want to rent them for the weed control uses on your property from somebody else. So I hope you enjoy getting to learn all about the use of goats for weed control and a lot of the benefits that come with that. Joining me now is Tim Lindquist, the owner of We Rent Goats. You know, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode all about controlling noxious weeds on our property, and we talked about controlling them with the use of insects, with herbicides, and and everything in between, but we did not talk about the use of goats, and I wanted to have Tim in and kind of follow up on that and and talk about that as a viable option. So, Tim, thank you very much for coming on and and sitting down with me today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking with you and really interested in what you do with the goats and how everything works, and I thought maybe to start off, I would just ask you if you could kind of introduce yourself to our audience and tell us how you got into this business. Like I said, my name is Tim Lindquist and we, my wife and I, Linda, we rent goats. What we do is rent goats for weed and brush control. We graze all over the place. Goats eat a variety of weeds. So it's been a really positive way of controlling weeds. I got into this I was in college and we kind of messed with it and I learned about grazing goats and using them for weed control. I own five acres out in Wilder. I had cows because that's what I've done all my life is run cows and mm-hmm. I thought that's what I want to do and you know but I could only have three cows and I'm like <laughs> I wasn't making any money on this deal at all and so I said you know I'm going to buy some goats and I, I could run 25 goats on my place year round I'd have more of an income stream, and I got a lot of weeds, so we'll see what happens and clean things up. And so 25 turned into 200, 200 turned into 400. At the height of our business, we were running between 12 to 1,500 head of goats. So No kidding. Yep. Were those mostly all deployed around at different job sites? Yep. Yep. Wow. How interesting. So when did you start this business? In 2009. 2009. Yeah. Very interesting. We, we started it out part-time, and then in 2010, we went full-time into it. And so you were you were going full-time, and then how long did it take you to get to the point where you were running, did you say 2,000 head of goats? Uh, between 12 to 1,500, okay. we ran one summer. So How many years did it take you to get to that point? I had to lease goats uh-huh. in order to get to that number, but we were running... The goats we owned, we were running between six to seven hundred head. Wow! But there so. was an, there was enough demand for your services that yeah that you were actually going out and renting goats from other people to rent out on exactly jobsites. exactly very very interesting. Well, what is the crux to your business? So how how does it all work? Somebody calls you up and says, "I've got weeds. I want a goat." How does this happen? So what we work off of, I mean, we'll work on smaller jobs of you know less than a half of an acre. But what we like to do is bring in a bunch of goats and 
we want to get things done as quick as possible and move on to the next job. So depending on the size of the job, I mean, you can't bring in 700 goats to a one acre job. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So my trailer, I've got a double deck trailer that I can put about 200 head on. And so I work off of 100 head groups. Okay. Depending on the job, then we bring in that many goats. So the bigger the job, I'm going to bring more goats so I can get through things quicker. But on a half an acre job, I'd bring in probably 100 goats, and I'd be out of there in a day. Now, I wanted to ask you about this. So you drove up and saw in my driveway, we have goats. Uh, That's part of what we do here. We do the multi-species grazing on our place. And one thing I've noticed about the goats is that they've got this reputation for eating anything but around here at least that doesn't always happen i wondered is there kind of a magic number out there where if you don't have enough goats on one job site they might pick and choose and not clean up everything but once you get enough in there they're not being that selective and they're just kind of eating everything down exactly and they they get competitive and the one thing we found too is that as we built our herd we haven't bought any goats in eight years so once we bought our last group of 200 and we we basically closed our herd so these girls have been eating weeds and it takes an animal they got to learn how to eat and what to eat and so i mean we've basically taught them to eat you know um, rush skeleton weed mm-hmm. cheatgrass medusa head they'll eat all that stuff and not all goats will eat it depends on how like if your goats are have a hay bucket they're gonna go the easy way i mean just like anybody you know uh-huh. any person would and I mean, if it's like last winter, I fed a lot of hay because there was nothing to eat. But we <laughs> normally graze alfalfa in the in the winter time, and our goats are out all summer or all winter on the alfalfa. Got it. But um, they get competitive. And the one thing about goats is goats prefer forbs and broadleaf plants, mm-hmm. brush, you know, browse. So that's the first thing they're going to eat. If you have a cow pasture. And mm-hmm. you run, you know, a handful of goats in there. Mm-hmm. The goats are going to eat stuff that's different than the right. than what the cows are. Cows are going to go after the grass and the clovers. Goats don't like clover. Uh-huh. I mean, my goats will eat it when that's the last thing. Uh-huh. But you can watch the way things progress on a job, depending on what's growing out there. I mean, I can almost walk out there in a field and be like, they're going to eat this first. They're going to eat that second. They're going to eat that third. Really? And all the way down the chain until you get everything that you want to do the first year we were out that we started it was i mean we were begging for work and we didn't know what we were doing so we went up to round valley idaho Mm -hmm. and this guy had 400 acres of oxide daisy which is taken over his cow pastures and i convinced this rancher i said they won't eat your cow feed and he's like all right we're gonna give this a try and see what happens Mm -hmm. and so you got all the oxide daisies you know everywhere I was moving the goats about every hour and a half from about an acre or about a two acre paddock. Mm-hmm. And we were moving them every hour and a half. And all we did was sit and watch. And as soon as all the flowers were gone, we moved them. It was mm-hmm. super management intensive. But the guy, he goes, you, you haven't even touched any of the cow feed, hmm. but there's not a flower out here. And I said, that's exactly why this works. Because the goats, that's what they want first. I mean, I, I just had to manage it to where we got all the oxide daisies out. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah, to your point, when we bought our farm, there was not a fence here. The irrigation wasn't set up. It was all weeds. And so uh, my goal was to have cattle. 
but that was going to take a while. We had to build the farm up, you know, and, and get everything ready for cattle. But in the meantime, my wife discovered electric netting and decided let's have some goats while we're waiting and they'll eat the weeds and so uh we did that and we started with goats and we would we were supplementing them with hay over the winter and they were wasting so much hay yeah and so i swore that i would never ever again have a goat if i didn't have a cow to clean up all that hay they're wasting but now that i've finally got cattle and we're we're doing the multi-species grazing now it's flipped back where it should be is i don't want to run cattle again without running a goat with them or a, uh-huh. lamb, a lamb or something that's going to keep that pasture looking so good. Yep. Yep. And I'm a firm believer in, I've been through a lot of range classes, uh, holistic resource management, multi-species grazing, and I'm right there with you as far yeah. as using multiple animals to do different things. It makes your land more productive. I mean, <laughs> seven goats is one Right. Is one cow. So, I mean, you back off your cow numbers a little bit and run some goats with them. You can make a lot of feed. Absolutely. So, well, I'll tell you what, let's take a commercial break. When we come back, I've got some more follow up questions for you. Sounds good. Travel back in time for an immersive and inspiring lesson in science, technology, engineering, and history at the Warhawk Air Museum in Nampa, Idaho. At the Warhawk, you and your family will find some of the most iconic classic planes found anywhere in the West and learn how American aviation technology evolved from propellers to jet engines. And while you're there, you'll come to know the personal stories of the veterans whose commitment and sacrifice helped make our nation what it is today. For passes and more information about visiting the Warhawk Museum, go to warhawkairmuseum.org. Doc Martens became a household name in 1960 when their first work boot with a revolutionary air cushion sole rolled off the production line. Since then, they've been supporting the workforce from factory floor to construction sites with lightweight, flexible footwear that keeps you comfortable and safe with tons of toe protection, waterproof leather, and slip-resistant soles. Doc Martens Work Boots, industrial strength for any job site. Pick up a pair today at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Tim. Well, now that we're back, you had said something in the first segment about being able to teach the goats to eat cheatgrass, teach them to eat rust skeleton weed. So I like that term. How do you teach a goat what to eat? There's no other options, basically. So they they learn to eat it. And what we noticed as we grew our numbers, the babies watch what their moms do, just Mm -hmm. like our kids do and everything. And so the does are actually teaching the the babies how and what to eat at a month old they're starting to eat and mom's eating this plant they're gonna eat it i mean if they're going to the hay feeder they learn where the hay feeder is and i guess it's we made it into a genetic thing i mean that first summer up and around valley we brought that's when we bought our last goats and i had a bunch of really nice boar goats i mean they were fancy goats they sat in the corner and i mean they didn't eat because they'd been used to sitting at the feeder yeah and, and not going out and working and that was less green fields so mm-hmm. we will push them we just we leave them out there and they go to eating i mean that's their job in life is to right. eat and survive so well you mentioned the boar goats so you had bought the fancy boar goats they're really really popular when it comes to 4-h ffa yeah and man they they really seem to put on good meat too mm-hmm. when, you, when you look at the boars but with that said that begs the question what breed of goat or what cross do you normally run if it's not boars we started out with a boar spanish cross and we're breeding the boar bucks we got pretty far in on more going towards the boars the boars are like 
the black Angus of the goat industry. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's more value. You got to always have that redhead or, you know, that boar look to them. And then I was getting too far to the boar side and I wanted to, you know, get a little more of the maternal qualities and, and that stuff back in my herd. So then we started breeding in some Kikos. Okay. And now we're pretty far to the Kiko side. This coming fall, we'll be breeding back to boars. I like the Spanish and I like the Kiko, but I, I want to keep some boar in them mm-hmm. and keep that muscle on them for our goats. And all three of those, Kiko, Spanish, and boars, those are all large frame goats. Yes, yes. And the one thing we found, because like when we were starting, you know, we were just getting whatever we could get our hands on and... The dairy goats don't do well in this application. They have so much nutritional requirements to Mm -hmm. milk. I mean, we weren't milking them or anything like that. All they were expected to do was raise two babies like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But they put so much of their energy and what they eat into their milk that it takes a toll on them. And so I don't remember exactly when we moved out the dairy goats Mm -hmm. just because it wasn't fair to them. That's why we went away from the dairy goats, but... Now, are the contracts that you've received since 2009, are they, the majority of them, are they for fire suppression or for uh, weed control, like noxious weeds or something it, like that? Uh, both. That was kind of our niche, was um, was fire mitigation, just come in and clean it up. My goal was always, I wanted to do this on a huge scale, large ranches and make cow feed and mm-hmm. and do that and do the noxious weeds i i really i when you we started this segment you mentioned sprays and bugs and everything else i'm a firm believer the goats are just a tool in the toolbox mm-hmm. i think the bug the goats are really to get in and just knock things down and get them get it halfway starting to turn around graze for three to five years with the goats and then turn and start using some of these biologicals. I really wanted to get into that and use that as a program. I know of other guys that are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Weezer Trail up there, they're big believers in bugs, and mm-hmm. they've done a lot of work with that. And I, I think that's a it's a really good tool towards eliminating the noxious weeds. Absolutely. All right, well, let's take another commercial break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about numbers. Okay. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia Boots. Available to try on for size at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earned the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots and pick up a pair of Georgia Boots at your favorite D&B Supply. For cats and kittens with carnivorous cravings, D&B carries Merrick Perfect Bistro Grain-Free Cat Food, all-natural high-protein food that's a great value. Merrick Grain-Free Foods are cooked in the USA with the best ingredients for complete nutrition. There's nothing but the good stuff in the recipe, with no corn, wheat, soy, or byproducts. And without the grain, it's easier for your furry friend to digest. Merrick Grain-Free Cat Food, available at select D&B Supply Stores. All right, Tim. Well, now that we're back, I wanted to ask you about numbers. So you said you work in groups of 100 goats. Uh, That's how you do that. So for somebody out there who's hearing this or who's been considering having somebody come out with goats to help them with their weed issues, how much land do they have to have for you to fit 100 goats on there to do the job? I've grazed a half of an acre with 100 head of goats. Okay. We weren't there for very long. (laughs) Right. How long? (laughs) It was... uh, 
I mean, I've done a number of them, and it usually it takes anywhere from six to eight hours. Oh, I mean, really? you're you're in and out quick. I mean, drop them in the morning and pick them up in the afternoon and onward and upward. So when we're running our goats, we do um, our big jobs have mamas and babies on them. So I don't have to be shuttling them mm-hmm. as frequently. And then I run a group of yearlings that are dry. They don't. We don't breed our goats until uh, they're two years old. Okay. So I always have this stockpile of open goats that, are, I mean, they can, they're not going to be as stressed. Mm-hmm. And so what we do then is we just run those, that group of a hundred. It's one deck of our trailer, jump them out, open our doors, jump them in and with dogs. So, so your minimum size then would for a job that you would do, would that be right around a half acre then? Yeah. We try not to do a whole lot of the smaller stuff, sure. but we have a minimum on that. And, uh-huh. and so if, if you're into that and you want goats, <laughs> okay, we'll do it. I mean, and, and, and a lot of it depends on what our demand is at the time. So here's the question. So you're, you're able to kind of teach the goats what to eat. You're, you get them to do their work, but is there one weed out there that they just won't touch? There's a few. Okay. Goats will not touch a foxtail once it's headed out. Okay. You could leave them out there in, I mean, solid brick fence, uh-huh. and they would not eat the foxtail. They just starved to death. Yep. Another weed that we found is tumbleweed. Once tumbleweed heads out and it gets prickly, they don't eat it. So, and there, there's times that I, I look at jobs and I can, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I mean, I, mm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell my service and not you're not you're gonna right. be satisfied when i get done and right. and i know what my what my limitations are mm-hmm. example rush skeleton weed took when we started grazing rush skeleton weed up in the foothills that took the goats the first year they did okay on it they went after it but not as a, a dedicated like that's what they wanted right after the first year they went right after the skeleton weed. So it's kind of a taste thing. Interesting. So the first year they were kind of warming up to it. And the second year they really liked it. Yeah. So does that mean we're talking about the same set of goats from the first year to the second? Yeah. Because we've been running the same genetics and the same goats for Interesting. that whole time. So. And so you'll, so those goats that you kind of get learned onto the rush skeleton weed, then when they've got kids on them, they're teaching the kids to eat this. Exactly. Very interesting. Exactly. So I, there's always the question, nature versus nurture. But obviously, if the does didn't initially like the rush skeleton weed, but then they developed a taste for it, and then they skip that with the kids. They just teach the kids to eat it, and so it's not just about taste. Right. Or palatability or whatever right. you want to call it. They just go, they go, oh, that's, that's something we want. So How interesting. Okay. Now, what about poisonous plants? If somebody is, is looking out at what they've got going on and they're thinking about having you come out or somebody like you, because, you know, we're on in, in Twin Falls, Pendleton, Oregon, right. Grand Baker, we're all over. So if somebody's thinking about having somebody come out, what kind of plants should they be able to identify on their property and not maybe waste your time or maybe get rid of those particular plants if they're poisonous to the goats? So the interesting thing that I've found with the goats is... They know what they should and shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, unless they're starving, they won't eat a poisonous plant. So poison hemlock, for example, yep. the goats can eat poison hemlock. I won't graze a monoculture 
of poison hemlock, I'll say you, that's another one that I've turned down for this that reason. Mm-hmm. If it's a monoculture, you like you need to nuke it. And so my monoculture, you're saying if it's the only thing available, it's the only thing available. Okay. If they've got other options, what they'll do is they'll they'll go and they'll eat you know three bites of poison hemlock and then they're over here and goats are always moving i mean Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've seen them with yours yep they're always they're cruising and they'll just eat a bite a little bit of it so it never gets toxic but like in the case of a monoculture they would that that would be all they'd have to eat and then you'd get to that toxic level okay one thing that we we learned the hard way was with japanese yu and that's a ornamental plant that a lot of people have in their gardens that's the one that the elk were dying from, yes right? and we lost out of 13 goats we lost 11 of them oh wow and it it took minutes it was the worst thing i've ever seen i mean as far as and i mean and, and it it wasn't the customer was trimming up stuff and mm-hmm. thought well i'll just throw this over the fence and so mm-hmm. i mean it, it dropped them and so that's one thing i mean we're especially when we're in town and mm-hmm. grazing we're on the lookout for that okay. we didn't know it at the time uh, sometimes you got to learn the hard way so yeah but so japanese you poison hemlock uh, what about milkweed i've heard that milkweed is is toxic to them. i've never had any problems with milkweed i've okay. never run into like a lot of it but they they'll eat that and, you know, as far as weeds go, I can't stand poison ivy, and that's just because I've gotten into it one too many times, and my body doesn't like it. But I love the fact that goats can be brought in to clean up poison ivy. Have you had jobs like that? Poison ivy, poison oak, the goats will do, they do great on that stuff. And they just don't have the allergic reaction no. to it? No, it, it doesn't bother them a bit. Well, okay, well, let's take another commercial break, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you about... Uh, people deciding whether or not this is the route for them to go. Okay. Smart clothes are all the rage in Silicon Valley. But for us active Westerners, smart doesn't need to connect to the internet. It just needs to work right. Smart wool socks do exactly that. They're made of merino wool that doesn't itch. They're machine washable and dryer safe. Merino wool keeps you at exactly the right temperature, wicking away sweat so you're dry and warm when you need to be. They're much thinner than traditional wool, so no need to go up a size in your boot to fit your socks. Smart wool socks, the smartest thing you'll ever do for your feet. Slip into a pair today at your favorite D&B supply. Did you know that a horse's top line plays an important role in how that horse performs, looks, and feels? That's why Neutrina offers top line balance in select horse feeds. Available at D&B supply. Not all feeds are created equal, and not all feeds can improve a horse's top line. It took years of research and field trials to develop this unique approach to equine health. So look for the top line balance logo on select Neutrina horse feeds. For a healthier top line, stop on by D&B. B supply for top line balance from Neutrina. All right, Tim. Well, I want to ask you about trees. So I want to make sure that anybody listening to this who hasn't done the research or or doesn't know that much about goats, they're well aware before they pick up the phone and say, this sounds great. I want to have somebody come out with goats and take care of my weeds. But if somebody's got an area that they want to control the weeds, but they've got some trees in there that they really care about, can the goats do harm to those trees? Oh, yeah. And that, that'll be one of the first thing that goats eat. I mean, okay. they love browse, brush, stuff like that. And when we go to a job, I look at the job and I go, do you like that tree? Do you not like, you know, I mean, <laughs> where are we at? And and it depends on the size. I mean, bigger trees, they're not going to bother them. But that's one of the first things I'm looking at when mm-hmm. I'm out there and that I talk to my customers about is making sure that if that tree, if the goats get in that tree, it's not going to make it. Okay. And so... 
we have i mean I, i've come up with all kinds of creative solutions to keep trees alive and so we can do it and then there's some jobs i just won't do because i mean they love their trees and i, I don't want to take that risk and most time they don't want to take that risk so and they'll strip the bark right off a tree right? yeah especially young trees i mean mm-hmm. They've been really hard on my yard. <laughs> okay. We've had a heck of a time getting trees growing out there because if there's something, anything that happens, they, they'll go straight for those trees. So, okay. What are the benefits of using goats to control weeds, say, compared to herbicides or something like that? One of the biggest benefits to using the goats is goats eat from the top down. So they grab the plant and they suck it into their mouth. We collect the seeds. Goats have a... I like to say a 95% kill rate on the seeds. So they're not getting actually planted back into the soil where a cow, you know, sheep, even sheep is better than cows, but the, the seeds go through a cow's system and, and they just get replanted. I mean, a big percentage of them. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of studies on leafy spurge and some other stuff that they've grazed that it's like 99% kill rate on. So you're talking when it comes, when the seed goes through the the digestive system comes out in the pellets out of the goat versus the manure of the cow the cow's system has not killed that seed correct but the goats has yes okay and so that that's one benefit we can actually come in and with sprays and stuff it's more time sensitive i mean once that plant heads out you're kind of wasting your time spraying Mm because that seeds it's still going to produce sure and so the goats we can use them a little later a lot of the noxious weeds that we graze if we're i mean if we're targeting noxious weeds Mm -hmm. if i don't know off the top of my head i will look at i i have all the information i can get the information and i i can say okay i want to graze this as it's bolting or as it flowers in the rosette stage i mean where Mm -hmm. most most plants you want to hit it a bolting right before flower i mean there's no there's no chance of that seed getting even starting if you're grazing it and bolting most in those applications though you're gonna have to probably come back and hit a second grazing to get what comes back up because it'll it'll continue to grow that's just the plant's lifestyle so you know as you bring up that rosette stage and i'm thinking about when we get white top on our place you got your goats trained to eat white top okay so my goats will eat white top the key to white top is actually a sulfur block a sulfur block Explain that you that. can get it's the yellow salt lick okay white top can be poisonous too mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of animals won't eat it but somebody's probably gonna think i'm not very smart i think it's <laughs> i think the white top produces phosphorus and the sulfur counteracts that okay or there's some it's a chemical reaction that the sulfur block will alleviate and then they'll they'll go to town on it and it was funny because we run about 15 to 20 billies uh-huh. at a time and my billies they would not eat white top i mean i i tried they wouldn't learn mm-hmm. but my does will go in and and they'll clean up white top so you're just talking when you say a sulfur block you're just talking a, a mineral block you're putting out there with them yep that's got sulfur is the main ingredient or one of the ingredients or yeah yeah okay. it's i i'm pretty sure it's the main ingredient and 
they'll do really well on it. Another noxious weed that we use sulfur blocks on is kochia. Like this time of year, as okay. it's starting to head out, mm-hmm. it'll do the same thing. And so, and it's just a chemical reaction in their their stomach. It usually gets the weaker ones mm-hmm. that they can't work through it. Well, that's really interesting because I noticed our goats will eat white top, but only after it heads out and it it ages and starts to dry up. Once it dries up, then they'll they'll just demolish it. But before that, they won't touch it. Right. And I, I think that that sulfur block will get it going. And the white top's time sensitive. I mean, and and that's a tough one for us as a as a, for our business. We start kidding in March, mm-hmm. and I finish up in April, and then I let my kids get to be a month old before I travel. I don't want those babies out there working mm-hmm. when they're that young. I mean, just so the does take good care of them, and mm-hmm. so it seems like white tops always, you know, right, right now in April when. And by May, it's gone to seed, and so we're not we're not being as effective on it as we should. Well, that's interesting. So. I'm going to try that and see how that what kind of change that makes. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Well, uh, thanks for that. Let's take another commercial break, and then when we come back, I want to figure out how in the world you keep these things contained. Okay. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today, and these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steeped in Western values, stock up on Wrangler at your favorite. D&B Supply. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. All right, Tim. Well, you know, coming back in, uh, there was one other thing you wanted to mention about the benefits of using goats. One of the benefits to using goats versus tractors or mainly is the terrain. Mm-hmm. Goats can do, they can climb up anything. Mm-hmm. So there's places that we've grazed that you're not going to get a tractor up there mm-hmm. to mow it down. Or I mean, and spraying would have to be done with a backpack sprayer or, you know, a lot of hose. And where we can run the goats in, we're pretty nimble and athletic to be able to climb up the hills. But if we can get up the, the hill and build fence, yeah. we can keep the goats in. And I think that's one of our that was one of our biggest benefits when we're doing fire control. We can graze hills that nobody else can even get up, you know, unless you did it but with a hand crew. Sure. So. And, of course, the, the steeper the hill, the more powerful that fuel is when it catches, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So... Very interesting. Now, you talked about building fence. So how in the world do you keep these goats in when you get them out to a site? We use an electrified netting, and it's a positive-negative electrified netting that we've found that is the best thing to use to contain goats except for water. And we use a lot of ground rods. Boise, the the valley here, we've got really sandy soils Mm -hmm. goats aren't grounded real well so that's why we run a positive negative fence okay that is it it alternates so that they will get the shock and they got to be fence broken we do have problems with some goats that don't care yeah and that causes us a lot of problems but we've had really good luck with it and 
If you ever talk to a goat rancher and he says he has he can keep his goats in 100% of the time, he's lying to you. So. <laughs> well, you noticed as you drove up to our place that we've got one that Dodge just lives in our driveway because she jumps the gate every day. I'm out of options. Yep. <laughs> so yep. she sticks around, though, so it hasn't been a big deal. <laughs> well, that's really interesting about the fence. Now, you talked about water. So the only thing that works better than this electric netting and this fence is water. Tell me about that. Rivers if the water's moving and it's about higher than knee deep mm-hmm. goats won't they don't like water okay and so if you got a river bank or something that you're cleaning up you don't have to build fence on the edge okay we, we've done a lot of work on uh restoring and cleaning up on along the snake river mm-hmm. and i mean i build three-sided fence so i don't have to haul water or do anything they got their water and they're not going across perfect that. so Water is almost guaranteed. If I had an island, I know I would never have a goat out. So, <laughs> All right. Now, when the weed consumption season is over, you said you're grazing your goats on the alfalfa. Yep. But you're saying you're getting two kids out of out of the does each year. That's what you're trying to average. That's so our goal. You got to do something because eventually you're going to have way too many goats if, you, if you're not getting rid of some of the goats. We do, we right. do market our weathers for meat. And like I said, we don't breed our does until they're two years old and so i'll run my weathers and my nanny kids doe kids for an extra year and then at once that year's over then i'll sell off my weather kids and then the dolings will be bred okay and then it's just a continuous cycle and then we'll also we also cull and our genetic pro we've worked really hard on our genetic program Mm -hmm. and i mean we we believe we have like some really tough good genetics that are maternal maternal qualities are number one thing when we're looking for a goat last year i ran all my goats and i grazed them on a 40 acre field i didn't go out there and check goats i mean they raised their babies on their own Mm -hmm. our death loss was far less this year than it ever has been in the past Mm -hmm. because we just let the goats do their job Gotcha. We didn't go out there and try to jostle them around. And I mean, we've done it a hundred different ways. And that's probably a discussion for another day. But yeah. they were out there eating weeds on a job that we left them there for a month and a half. And we walked through just really slowly and gently and they took care of it. So we hmm. were getting paid when we were kidding even. So. That's great. Well, now, do you do anything else with your goats other than weed control? No. The, our goats are strictly for weed control and then we and then there's a a meat side of our business so okay well we're getting ready to wrap up i understand that you need to give a shout out before you get in trouble here yep i'd like to say uh hi to my wife linda she works over at store 12 on overland so she'll be listening to this on the barn and so she works for for dnb yep wonderful awesome Well, Tim, I really appreciate your time and all of your knowledge. Really, really enjoyed hearing all about this. They're a fascinating animal and so happy to have you to be able to explain them to us a little bit better. No problem at all. It was great to be here. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.